Welcome to the Christchurch Oceanside Podcast, a faith community on Vancouver Island within the Anglican Network in Canada. We invite you to check out our website at ChristchurchOceanside.ca, or if you're on Vancouver Island, join us on a Sunday in the News Bay. Today's message is brought to you by our pastor, Father Ryan Matchett. We hope you enjoy. Bless you. From the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, beginning in verse 12 to the end of verse 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Well, I'm excited to welcome you back here to our studies of The Good Way. The Good Way is how we describe the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus teaches his treatise on what it means to be truly human and what it will look like to follow him. And our new series is on the Golden Rule. And so I'm excited to kind of unpack this over the coming weeks. But before I do so, I wanted to do a bit of an intro today to talk about this idea of a rule, of having a rule and ascribing to a rule and following a rule. Now, Christianity is actually full of ancient rules and orders. And they're different from what we think of when we tend to think of rules and orders today. A rule is an authoritative guide or summary of teaching, often referred to in kind of the ancient life of the church, which one would choose to submit to and even vow to follow. And so we have some examples of that. We have phrases that come out in the early patristic fathers, the uh, bishops and theologians of the early church. They referred to something called the rule of faith. And the rule of faith was that authoritative summary of belief, what we would look at now as the creeds and the scriptures and how you define orthodoxy. They would use that phrase, the rule of faith. But there's also these kind of subordinate rules throughout Christian history. And these sprung up often in response to cultural unrest or chaos or even excess. And these rules of life, were ones that they chose to ascribe to that would were very countercultural. 
They were essentially saying, here's the un the unhealth of our time. And in response to that, we want to ascribe to a different rule, a different way of living. Now, an order is a group of individuals that would ascribe to the same rule, choosing to follow in monastic communities or, you know, even from a distance, but holding to that same rule, that this is the way we're going to live and we're going to seek to do so together. And so some historic examples of that would be the rule of St. Benedict, you know, the, the Benedictine monastic orders and movement that came out that people would live in community and ascribe to that way of living. Other examples would be the Jesuits or the Augustinians or the Franciscans or the Vincentian order of the Sisters of Charity, right? Both men and women ascribing to these rules of life and of living. Another example is the Mandalorians. Now, the Mandalorians aren't in Christian history, but they're pretty iconic today in our culture. It's easily one of my favorite shows. And the Mandalorians ascribe to six different steps that you could say would summarize their rule. The first, wearing armor. The second is to speak the Mandalorian language. The third is to defend yourself and your family. The fourth, to raise your children as Mandalorians. The fifth, to contribute to the clan's welfare. And finally, to rally to the call and cause of the Mandalore, the sole leader of the Mandalorians. I realize that's ridiculous in the fact that this is a Star Wars order. <laughs> and I get that. But there's something about that that calls to us. I think if you're a fan of Star Wars or the show or you know, The Mandalorian or Mando in general, when you watch it, there's something about it that's compelling. It actually makes us want to ascribe to something bigger than ourselves, be a part of something, even though it's confining, according to our kind of worldly modern standards, the idea of this clarity and purpose and conviction is actually something that calls to us. Now, when we come to the golden rule, though, this is a rule that's meant for every follower of Jesus. So in that way, it's a rule that stands above all other rules. Of course, not including the rule of faith itself. This is part of the rule of faith. This comes directly from Jesus himself. Now, it's actually Anglican preachers, Charles Gibbons and Thomas Jackson in the early 17th century, that first coined the phrase, the golden rule. And now it's just kind of made it into our Bibles today, this kind of summary way of describing it. An abbreviated version of what we read today is this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the golden rule. Now, before we can really unpack it, which we'll start to do in the coming weeks, I want to talk about kind of our cultural aversion to rules. And this is actually kind of complicated because we live in a time <clears throat> with four, five, I guess you could say, really distinct generations. That the internet age, you know, if we, if we go all the way back to what's known as the silent generation, that's those born between 1928 
to 45, right? That's right in the middle of world wars. And so you have this whole generation that's been through that. Obviously, that is world changing. Then you have the boomer generation, which is those born from 1946 to 64. And so those, it's this, it's boomer, it's called boomers because that's the generation of which the baby boom happened. All these silent generations started having children and there was a lot of kids. And then you have Generation X, which is 1965 to 80, and here's the dawn of the internet. So Generation X and the older millennials, which we'll look at, they're the internet age. Then we have millennials, 1981 to 96. They are growing up with the internet, first in their homes, then in their pockets and onwards. And then we have Gen Z, 1997 to 2012. And they're the ones that have all, they were born into the internet. They know it, they live it, that's all they know. There's so much shift in between these generations. In a lot of ways, what we're living in is a time of like five very distinct people groups trying to cohabitate, trying to live together, trying to be in family systems together. But there's this kind of relationship that each generation has a different relationship with rules that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about today because when we talk about accepting the golden rule from Jesus and giving ourselves to following it, I think we first have to wrestle with the fact that we have a kind of innate response to the idea of rules. Now, if we break down the different generations, Part of what we see is this, the silent generation, you could view them as kind of traditionalists. They came from a very traditional time, and they all ascribed to it. Like you grew up going to church, you, you, it was generally accepted, the, you know, the following of the Ten Commandments, things like that, at least in my family background. But then you have the boomer age, which is coming out and going, they're kind of kicking against tradition in a very big way. You have the you know, the movement of the 60s and the 70s, the hippie movements and all of that. So you have this kind of individualism that rises up, this don't tell me what to do. I can make my own path. I can find my own way. That really dawns in the boomer age. Then you have Generation X, and we kind of end up with this you know, 50-50 split. We get this mix of traditionalism, but we also get this rampant individualism and this idea of freedom and the right to choose for yourself and all of that. Then I think we have the millennials. And the millennials kind of are born into the products of that, which I think the predominant is make your own way. There is no tradition really passed down substantially to millennials. It's a big question mark. You get to do whatever you want, however you want, in whatever way you do it. I'll talk about that a little bit more, but for me, that's really felt like an orphaning. Because without tradition, it's just all lumped onto us to figure it out. Then you have Gen Z, and Gen Z is having some interesting movement, I think, that we're seeing in the culture today, which looks like a bit of like a moral resurgence. And we'll talk about that. So here's where we end up with, though, is we have these five different generations with varying degrees of interaction with the idea of having rule, a rule that you would follow. 
What it comes down to, though, this kind of fundamental question is this. What is the rule that you live by? And I ask this a bit tongue-in-cheek because as a millennial, I kind of know my own answer. And I know the answer that I've kind of received and, and is the predominant one of my time. And that is we don't live by rules. And why would we want to? But there's something about the fact that we all, I think all generations hold in common to some degree, is we reject even fear rules. Because we view them as an outside expectation. I think traditionally we see it like, this is the rule, now follow it. You don't get an opinion or an option. There's a, it's an expected blind acceptance. And we fear that because we see it as something that can be wielded to control or harm us. It's an expectation that we never agreed to. So instead of accepting or adopting rules from previous generations or institutions, we've in many ways chosen to make our own, chart our own course, follow our hearts and blaze a new trail. The problem, though, is that we've been too busy trying to survive to intentionally and genuinely craft a rule worth living by. Because the modern rules of life have left us kind of, and I think I feel this especially, self-inflicted orphans, having rejected our inheritance and our traditions for fear that they'd enslave us with hidden chains. The result is we're now following a rule of base survivalism. We're not knowingly curating a course, but we're subconsciously following, falling into one. I think for many of us today, we are living according to a rule made up of coping mechanisms and trauma responses. Tools that helped us get through hard and terrible things, but now threaten all that we most hold dear. As a, as a priest, but also as a counselor, Questions that I ask people are like, how do you respond to stress? And the response I often get is, I don't know why I react the way I do. How do you handle conflict? Oh, I can't even control my responses. They just happen. How do you react to being like even hungry or needy or those types of things? The responses I get are, I know I don't want to act that way but I can't seem to help myself. Well, how do you make decisions? And the sad reality is that often what people say is that all my relationships, all my jobs, all my dreams end in a kind of self-destruction. So it leads to the question, what's the code you're living by? Like what's dictating your direction and the way you're heading and who you are? And the answer is, I don't know. It's just happening. That's a sign that really what's driving your life, your rule, is coping mechanisms and trauma responses. But then there's this other piece, this like stronger side that says, well, I do whatever it takes to get ahead. I think that's some left, that's coming from that boomer generation. That's the predominant belief system. It's survival of the fittest. If, and, and this response often of, if I had to go through it, so do you. So this kind of idea of like dog-eat-dog world. So it's either I'm dealing with my coping mechanisms and my trauma responses to life in a harsh world, or 
I have the upper hand and I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever needs to be done, I'm going to succeed at all costs. The reality is that we're all living according to a rule of life, an internal compass that directs us and defines us and determines our responses to given situations. But is it good? Before we can receive Jesus' golden rule, we do have to test a little bit and ask ourselves, what's the rule that's already there? And it might be in parts. It might be some of it's from Jesus and some of it is a mix of things. But we need to ask some self-awareness questions like, what is my rule made of? Is it made up primarily of unhealthy coping skills? Is it trauma responses or is it selfishness? Is it one that I actually believe in or was it? accidental? Was it one that I just received from my family of origin that I don't actually believe in? Is it one that is that I feel is like genuinely good for me and good for others? Like what are the results of that compass inside of me? And how do I feel when I follow it? What's the state of my conscience within me on a day-to-day basis? And is it one that I want to pass on to my children? And to be honest, is it one that I want my child to use when they're an adult with me? Is it, is it good for the world if everyone followed my rule, did what I do, would the world be better, worse, or the same? And is it, is it a rule worth striving after? Like, is it a high good? Is it worth giving myself to and worth spending myself for and worth saying no to other things in order to have and to follow? Is my rule beautiful? Meaning, are the means, like as if the rule is the end, Are the means that I use to accomplish that end as good as the ends? That's, I think, what makes something beautiful, is that it's it's good to behold. It's beautiful to behold and to see. The truth is this. The rule, as Jesus is offering it to us, is meant to be received and chosen. The ancient Christian practice of taking on a rule requires both a giving that it's inherited. So Jesus is saying, this is mine and I offer it to you, and it requires a receiving. It can't be forced upon a person. It must be offered. Then a decision has to be made by them to receive it an intentional decision to say, this is my standard, this is my conviction, and my action in all situations. The rule is meant to act as a compass that helps you understand who you are and the direction you need to take to travel through the terrain of any given circumstance. That's why it's a compass. But 
We need both. We need the wisdom that is handed down through the generations from Jesus. So we don't have to figure everything out on our own. I'm tired of trial and error in all these different directions. What I want is truth. What I want is a good direction. I want north. But I also need to choose to take that wisdom and make it my own. And Jesus legitimately requires both. He's, he's not looking for zombies to follow him. He doesn't want us to live subconsciously, barely awake to our own convictions, just going through the same motions and patterns that we've been told to do. But nor does he want us to be stuck in those patterns of doing the things we don't want to do. The things that we're like, this is not, this is a tool I've been using for too long and it's not helpful anymore. This is a pattern in my life. I've always done this. Whenever I'm faced with this kind of challenge, this has always been my response. And I know the fruits of this. They're not good. Jesus wants people awake to their own convictions, wants people awake to that compass within them. He wants followers who make this golden rule their rule. He wants us to know why we're doing it. And so a rule must be, if it's going to be true, received and chosen. But as you, in the coming days, think about, what are my ingrained responses? What is the rule I live by? Is it my needs at all costs? Is it selfishness in all circumstances? Is it just survival? Do whatever it takes to live another day? Or is it golden? And do you want something golden? The reason why this rule is called golden is because of its superior value. It showcases the character of Jesus, which in turn reveals the heart of God. It's a golden morality. It safeguards your value as a person. So you're taken into consideration within this rule. The rule isn't kill you, suppress you, hide you, reject you to do these good things. The rule actually involves you. You're meant to be fully alive within this rule. So in this rule, there's a golden identity for you, supreme value. So you don't just compromise on your image-bearing nature. You are made by God, beloved by God, called by God, saved by God, and alive in this rule. That's what makes it golden. But also it safeguards the value of other people. So not only is it a golden morality revealing the supreme goodness of God. It's also a golden identity for you as supremely beloved, but it also creates golden relationship with the world that values it and values all. It's a statement to the world that says, my rule, the compass by which I live, 
loves you, values you. It's the kind of rule we want to be a part of, a higher good that calls us up out of this slogging, survivalistic darkness. And it sets a true north in our collective compass. Meaning, if all were to follow this way, if all were to submit and ascribe to this rule, it would generate a golden society, a golden community. Is this not what we want to be a part of? And we can say, no matter how crazy the world gets, I know who God is and his goodness. I know who I am, that I'm beloved. I know that what I'm called to do in, in loving others, and I know the world that I'm a part of creating. Because man, does the darkness of depression and desolation and sorrow in this world, when you feel like I am caught up into war and death and sorrow, and I don't want to participate in this, but I don't know how not to. The golden rule is an invitation to be a part of a different way, to be a different kind of person in this world for a world that's worth continuing. Too often I hear people say things like, it's beyond saving. <laughs> this world is doomed. What's the point? Let's eat, let's drink. And let the world burn. I can't. I can't go there. And when I do, I know I don't want to stay there. The golden rule is a higher good to follow. The golden rule is a higher identity to receive. The golden rule is a higher relationship to pursue. And the golden rule gives us a way towards a society worth working and fighting for a world without end, a world with streets paved with gold. So the question is for you to ponder in your own heart in the days to come, what is the rule I'm following? Is it the rule I want? And is the golden rule of Jesus the one that I truly want to live for. And then in the coming weeks, together we'll unpack what that means. So my friends, I hope this serves you, but even more so, I hope it calls to you that we might take up this call and this cause and this rule that we might be ordered together for a higher good. Amen.